1: Everything I learned from movies helps to make life a little bit groovy. With the one last black holes a gratuitous movies. It's time to get busy with your friend Steven Izzy. Hey, everybody. It's Steve again. Uh, so Drew with The Real Feels Podcast got an interview with David Weiner, who's the uh, writer, producer, director of those In Search of Darkness horror documentaries uh, you probably found on Shutter and other, other outlets. Uh, but he's got a new one coming out for 80 sci-fi movies called In Search of Tomorrow. Uh, but yeah, we got to talk with him. Uh, so here we go. A big thank you to Drew and David, of course.
2: Do you want to talk about how you're feeling right now?
1: questions what does this mean what do i do
2: (laughs) go on tell them what you think i liked it
0: i think your calculations may have been off
2: i think
1: it's all right
0: i just have a lot of feelings this pleases me
1: these
2: are perfectly normal feelings do you even know what you sound like when you talk like that now shall we begin
1: Come and knock on our door. Come on our door. We've, been waiting for you. We've been waiting for you. We've been waiting for you. We've been wanting to tell you all about what we're watching, too. All right, folks,
3: welcome back to the Real Fills podcast. I am Drew. If this is the first time that you are joining us, we are a movie review show where every two weeks we bring you a new movie genre and a movie paired with it. And we hope to fill your ear holes and bring you some joy a little bit. This is our in-between episode, which we call, What Are You Watching? And unfortunately, Jack and Nathan are not here to join me, but I do have our dear friends from the Everything I Learned From Movie podcast, Stephen and Izzy. How we doing?
1: Pretty good. Hey, everybody.
0: Hey, everybody.
3: <laughs> and guys, for this what have you have been watching, this is a very special episode because not only... Have I mean obviously I've been watching far more movies than I possibly should. Steve and Izzy I think can acclaim to the same <laughs> the same really. venture in life,
0: but <laughs> Drew out watches us somehow. <laughs> somehow.
3: I have no life. Um, so today this is twofold. It's very special not only to have this guest with us, but more importantly, this is the first guest that we're going to be actually having on for an interview for the Real Post podcast, and I am a, beyond ecstatic. And it is Mr. David Weiner for the In Search of Tomorrow documentary.
2: David. Hey, (laughs) hey, thanks for having me on, Drew. I really appreciate it. It's good to be with you guys. Uh, This is, uh, first off, like,
3: I've been telling Steve for about a week, and I'm like, okay, I got to get the jitters out, because this is a little bit of, like, a starstruck moment. And I am absolutely honored that not only that you're here, but you also get to uh, just indulge us with a lot of everything that went into not only this documentary but also a little bit of background on yourself and other projects that have already come before and what is to be. And again, stupidly excited.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, need to be starstruck, um, although it is relevant because this movie does take place in stars to a certain degree and does have stars to a certain degree. And five hours watching a documentary about this stuff in the eighties does strike you a certain way. So there you go. That's it, my that's my dad humor. <laughs> <for that one. laughs> so if, if anyone is not
3: familiar with exactly some of your projects that you have been putting out that came a little bit before In Search of Tomorrow, like what is the In Search of Docs?
2: The In Search of, not to be confused with Leonard Nimoy's In Search of TV series from the seventies, which I loved as a kid. Um, is a number now of documentaries uh, that do a deep dive into a genre and a decade. So uh, it all starts with Robin Block, who's the executive producer. He has a company called Creator VC. And he, his brainchild was starting with In Search of the Last Action Heroes to cover action movies of the 80s, uh, bleeding back and forth a little bit. And uh, after that, he's like, you know what? Horror seems the next great step to go. 80s horror films. There were just so many during the decade. So uh, he recruited me, and next thing we knew, after the first "In Search of Darkness," people really responded, and we did a part two. People really responded to that, and we're in the works on part three. But while we were doing part one, he's like, "I want to keep going with the genres, and and I think sci-fi is the next logical step." And uh, I I just chomped at the bit because I love a variety of different genres. I'm not like a one-note genre type of person. But these films, for those who aren't familiar with them, they uh, end up being between four and five hours long because they cover an entire decade, structured literally 1980 to 1989, where in each year you cover a number of films individually, and then there's larger context chapters in between. And you get anywhere between 50, 60, 70 uh, people who were part of this era uh, in front of the camera and behind the camera, and experts who are were you know, uh, know all the, about the era or were influenced by it. Uh, and it's this wonderful nostalgic stew of, of not only a list of films that you get to learn more about or revisit because they're your favorites, but you find a little bit more about how they fit in the context of the decade.
3: So I, I love you calling it nostalgic stew because I will attest, it is both filling and satisfying
2: for each one
3: <laughs> for each one of those documentaries. And within Search of Darkness, I mean, like, I was I was immediately on board. Like, you have my money for one. You have my money for two. You have my money for three. And as I told you a couple of weeks ago, I was like, you not only have my interest, you have my wallet. And um, <laughs>
2: well, if I could interject for the people who don't, sorry to, it, it, but if I could You're interject for the people who don't know anything about these projects is that they are fully crowdfunded. Right. So here's the thing. It's not like we pitch it to Netflix or a studio and we get money to make it. Uh we crowdfund it from the ground up and we bring in the fans of the genre who really, really love this stuff and appreciate a deep dive like this. And uh that's the thing is this is, you know, by the fans for the fans. It really is. The, the everyone at Creator VC, we love this stuff to death. And we know what we would want to see, and we also ingratiate everyone like you guys who back this project to get your two cents about what you'd like to see, how you'd like to see it, uh, who you'd like to see in and are talking about it, the types of films we cover, the types of topics we cover, and we take that all into consideration in terms of putting this massive project together.
3: And, and I would like to say, like, I personally appreciate the aspect of being able to contribute to that, for getting the emails, for going on and doing the surveys and being part of the Discord community and chatting it up with everybody. Like, I find that not only incredibly invaluable, but very, uh, like, humbling, like, mm. to say that, I mean, we are the, like, we are the fans. Like, we appreciate everything that's put out there. But more importantly, to actually have you come to us and say, like, what do you want to see? Because it's not just a matter of, like, hey, thanks for the cash. <laughs> All right. We're going to we're going to do something now. But to actually have some type of contribution towards it, it's it's very, very nice. And,
2: and uh, to that yeah. point, that's the thing is, we don't want to be like, thanks for funding our project. Now just wait. And when we deliver, we deliver. <laughs> you know, it's important for us to to cultivate the community and especially over these last two years when we've really been getting super busy that's the time that i think everyone has needed that extra element of connectivity because we've been you know stuck in COVID land in in varying degrees and so having watch parties every week um the discord community where you can talk about not only your favorite movies but just pop culture and collectibles and you know anything to connect with fellow fans and like-minded people it makes a big difference. And then having, we think it's super cool having some transparency with the, uh, uh, you know, with everyone where we could have, you know, a, for example, quarterly meetings where we could just talk about where we are with the project and have a Q and A. Um, that's important to me making this film because I, you know, I, I don't pretend to know every single film. And even if I do know every single film, uh, especially within search of tomorrow, I kind of do, but, um, those films, I only have my own experience. So it's very helpful to me to listen to someone who says, Oh my God, Howard, the duck short circuit, Mac and me are my favorite films. And here's why. And that helps me, you know, I didn't come at those films the same way when I saw them in the eighties, you know, I was born in 68. So I was a seventies kid and an eighties teen. And so some of these films, when they came my way, I was your typical, you know, cynical team where I'm just like, yeah, that's not for me or that's dopey. But in the years past, it's endured and it's it's beloved for many, 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 many reasons. And to have people say, you know, even one person on my team, she loves Mac and me. And I'm like, you do? And she's like, yeah, here's why. That to me helps uh, craft a segment about Mac and me. That is much more in touch with the reality of the people who love it, and uh, that's important to me.
3: I I cannot tell you how many times as a child um, I would stand outside of our car when our family would go on little trips and do the whole like <laughs> like <laughs> whistling
2: <laughs> and just go like where are they? Come on, I got a coke for you. Rattle <laughs> <Yeah, exactly. laughs> right your little Skittles bag. Maybe they're yeah. hanging out at McDonald's, right? right
1: <laughs> got half a big mac
2: yeah. <laughs> but yeah even just like you know obviously derailing uh the the subject even more that uh, to me making mac and me was a very very interesting story whatever you might think of whether it's a punchline you know on the conan o'brien show or you know whether it's um you know people just see it as as maybe a ripoff of et there's a very interesting story behind it, uh, and why it was made, and who it was for, and who it benefited. And that, to me, is just as interesting uh, in terms of what people may or may not, you know. To me, ultimately, these movies are, are an even playing field. And I don't want to make decisions for people. You can decide what you like about these things. Just learn a little bit more about what it took to make it.
3: Would you say that with the crowdfunding and the community funding, uh, does it uh, does it add more limitations when creating a project? Absolutely
2: than- not. It's the other way around. I mean, th- there's no way of getting around that these are low budget films versus multi million dollar projects. Uh, but when you have uh, a, an indie spirit, you're much more resourceful. You're much more creative. Uh, but we ultimately have full creative control over our own product uh and that to me is priceless it's absolutely priceless i don't answer to anyone other than robin and you know the 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 feedback from my team and even the fans at a certain point but ultimately no one's telling me what to do i'm doing what i think is right and uh i i i really revel in the creative freedom of these projects
3: steve izzy i've been asking a little bit do you have anything so far
1: Oh, um, I'm just a little curious, like, you know, when you were getting younger and stuff, like, how did you get into the business? And like, what were like your favorite kind of movies growing up to kind of lead you in that direction?
2: Sure. I was I was a total monster kid through and through. Um, You know, there's the there's the there's the B.S.W. and the A.S.W., the before Star Wars and the after Star Wars uh, of my life. And so. I was a Star Trek kid, I was a Universal Monsters kid, I was a Famous Monsters magazine reading kid, and then a Starlog reading kid, Um, Planet of the Apes, you know, uh, the 430, I grew up in in, uh, New York, and they had this movie called the 430 movie on every afternoon, and every Couple weeks, they would have a themed week and they'd have Monster Week or Planet of the Apes week or they'd have Edgar Allan Poe week where it was all like, you know, Vincent Price movies. And um, I cut my teeth on all that stuff. I loved it so much. And that really, really shaped me is just I was an imaginative kid. I was the type of kid where I would watch something and then as soon as I was done watching it, I'd race to a piece of paper and I'd draw and I would draw comics or just scenes or, you know. I'd uh, I'd watch a Godzilla movie and then I would cut Godzilla whatever you call those fin things on his back. I'd I'd make them out of construction paper and I'd I'd tape it to my back and stomp around the house. <laughs> yes. That was that's who I was. And so Star Wars comes along and rocks my world and changes my trajectory in terms of what I thought I knew about the world and what I wanted to do in the world afterwards, and it really pointed me west, uh, ultimately, uh, because I wanted to learn about making films, and I wanted to make projects that made me as exhilarated as I was when I would sit down, you know, in the darkened theater watching these things. So um, I knew I always wanted to do something in movies, Um, and I ended up going to film school in Ithaca, New York, Ithaca College uh and uh, i even was very fortunate enough to have a internship at disney for the summer so i got you know my between my uh sophomore and ju- no between my junior and my senior year i even no I, this is not important but only to me but i'm forgetting <laughs> but right around my junior year uh i got to go uh you know travel to california dip my toe in in the water there and decide if this is something that I really wanted to do or if it was just a dream. And going out there and working on the Disney lot just cemented it for me. And so I headed west after college and my first dream was to run around on a movie set with a walkie-talkie and a headset yelling, rolling and cut and being someone who was important on a movie set. And I achieved that right away, working on movies and TV and commercials and music videos. But I always wanted to be a director, you know, Um, and I put it in quotes because it's like, yeah, it's it's a dream. I think a lot of us, you know, want to be the writer or the director or the actor. But at a certain point, you realize no one's going to hand it to you unless you start creating your opportunities. And so I broke in the industry and production, but then it was a long road trying to figure out how to get my own movies made. And that's a whole other story because you could tell I tell long stories, so I'll, I'll keep
0: it. There. <laughs> We're here for it. Usually the best kind.
2: <laughs>
0: so
3: with with the aspect of actually creating, you know, In Search of Darkness, one, two, upcoming three, and now you know, In Search of Tomorrow. I mean, is there, what is the process of how to select what is actually going to make it and what is I. Not to say, like, worthwhile, because that's not to, like, degrade any other option.
2: Mm-hmm. But, you know, what, what is the selection? It's, it's a very difficult one. You would think it would be easy, but there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of movies that came out in the era. And it kind of goes back to when I was talking about, like, Howard the Duck and Mackenzie and so on. It's like I, I have my own opinions about this stuff um, and, and my own appreciation sometimes more than others about this stuff. Um, like it, it, really runs the gamut of, you know, I love this movie, but no one else does to, I love this movie and everyone else does is a too commercial kind of thing. Um, and so I, I, really kind of balance, well, what's obvious, what needs to be in there? I mean, I I'm, I'm so fortunate that we get to continue on with a part two and then a part three of in search of darkness, because my first outing with this, not even knowing that I'd get to do more. was like, I've got, there's so much to tackle and it can't all be done. So I think I will do, I'm going to focus on North America. I'm going to focus on a balance of the heavy hitters and some eclectic titles. And let's start there. And that's what I did. Um, still plenty, you know, you know, for as many people who say, this is wonderful, I really enjoyed this, this was a nostalgic ride, I learned some stuff, I I knew this and now I know it more, you know, or I never knew about this film, you get a variety of responses when you have four and a half hours talking about movies. But inevitably, what's the loudest? Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you include that? How could you not put this in it? And uh, I listen to that stuff, but I also have a response, and the response is there's not enough space to do it all. And I can't put every film that everybody wants. It just doesn't, it's not possible. But what's cool is that when you keep on going, you can sort of say, well, I got the heavy hitters. Now I can do a little more, a deep dive. I can go to international and talk about Italian horror, or, you know, something from Hong Kong or something like that. Um, you know, I can invite Shinya Sukamoto, you know, talking to him in Japan, you know, to talk about, you know, Tetsuo the Iron Man. Um, That to me was super cool that I had the opportunity to do that. And I kind of got roasted over the fire a little bit that in the first one, they're like, this is very American centric film, but I had to make a a difficult choice. And for me personally, I'm a bit of a completist and I want to have it all and there's just no way to do it. So to be able to continue doing installments where you can just slowly but surely get to as many of the things that you think are important or interesting or informative, uh, it's a bit time consuming, but <laughs> I like being able to do it, but th- I hope that it kind of answers your question
3: no yeah and i mean i could i could not even fathom just the painstaking task of what it would take to pick exactly what's going to go into it, and from looking at in search of darkness one and you know moving on to two and now three coming like i I think that it's not a not a sigh of relief per se, but i mean, it's definitely more. I want to say I want to say exciting for the for the potential of what was not there before and what you can possibly see again, because again, if you didn't see something in the documentary and again, like like you said, you get the uh, the comments of like, why wasn't that there? I really love this. Shouldn't people damn it. People should like this. Like this should <laughs> this should already be here. And with other ones coming out like you could have that possibility. And I mean, I just like in watching in uh, of tomorrow right now, like it came across nineteen eighty six and I was like, Yeah, nineteen eighty-six, let's go, let's go. And then with every single time the zoom in on the posters, and I see one, and I was all like, Oh, he's going for it. He's gonna do it. Wait, what happened? No, zoom that way, zoom that way. <laughs> you <laughs> missed <laughs> slightly to the left, and it's
1: like, oh, but oh.
3: <laughs> And at that point I'm just thinking, like, okay, it's fine, it's fine, there's still time. And again, if it didn't even like get to a film, I was like, if 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 his history has a way to do it, there's there's going to be a second, and I can hope. <laughs>
0: right, right.
2: Oh, I was just going to say, real quick, is Is that that at least with all the posters, and even where people make a mention and we see a clip, but we don't actually cover the film. That's my way of showing. Listen, I know it's right. all out there, and you should know it's all out there. And if you want to press pause and you know, watch a movie based on seeing a poster, or if you want to go to the end credits and look at everything, that's because everything's in there, every single poster, every single film clip, you can, that can help you at least with your list until to bide your time until the next installment. Sorry to interrupt.
0: Oh no, I, I was just going to say that, that like uh, me is like a, strange, obscure movie watcher. Uh, I liked the little nod, like, look, we don't have time to talk about Vicious Lips. We know it exists. (laughs) Somebody's going to see that and maybe, like, look for it on Prime. (laughs) I also, I also,
2: this, I delivered more than, like, 90 minutes more, uh, and I just had to make some painful, you know, I feel like I have paper cuts still from all this, you know? (laughs) Because I just, you know, for running time, you got to keep, believe it or not, five hours is, 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 only as long as we can do at least in this installment and um you know there are things that i very reluctantly heavy hitters and eclectic things that i just said you know what i just got to cut it and hopefully next time we can include it
3: personally i appreciate the uh integration of all of the kind of like unknowns and the eclectic films for it because much like in in search of darkness but especially in In search of tomorrow um, I'm mean, personally I'm a huge horror fan. So everything in In Search of Darkness, like nine and a half out of ten things, and I'm like, know it, know it, seen it. In Search of Tomorrow, I'm seeing things that I've never seen. Oh. Nor, nor had I ever like heard of. Like I was telling Steve the other night, and I was like, Okay, I've I've heard of Saturn three but I've never seen Saturn three. But it's on my list now. And <laughs> you know, just different films here and there. I mean, I'm making a list, and I of course I'm gonna be watching it and People on things like Letterboxd actually do the painstaking task of making like a list of all the films that are featured in the docs. And people are like, here's a list, like, you know, start your binge. So, <laughs> I mean, it's, so, I mean it's, it's very appreciative of actually including things that people are lesser known. And the film definitely, it, it needs recognition for, you know, how either short a time it was there or if it was there for... know just a blip of a second but got completely overshadowed by something else Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and and i i think that that is a very you know admirable thing to actually include films like that that are not going to get showcased
2: yeah yeah like the quiet earth for example you know I, i i i love that film um it just had no place in this round but I, I included two separate, very quick moments, <laughs> you know, in there. But it's a, you know, seek it out. It's such a great film. Um, I uh, overall, uh, and this is how I genuinely feel. Um, if people are passionate enough to get angry that something's not in there, that means that they're engaged enough to wish that it was in there, and that to me is a is is
0: you know success. Yeah, absolutely. It's a compliment. <laughs> their, mm. their rage is like a weird backhanded compliment. <laughs> We're so
2: passionate I about your I earned that rage. That's what I like.
1: <laughs> That's why the sequel's In Search of More Tomorrow. Because exactly. then it's like, hey, more incredible sci-fi movies. Do you know about Italian post-apocalyptic movies? We're going to take a deep dive into
2: those. Right, right, right. <laughs> Texas Gladiators 2000, baby. Oh
1: dude, okay, so since watching the documentary, <laughs> we've seen Saturn three, we saw uh, Space Hunter Adventures in the Forbidden Zone, which I hadn't heard of, but looked amazing. And oh, I was like her, Ernie Hudson. Huge Ernie Hudson yeah, fans right. were like,
0: how did we not know he was in a Star Wars ripoff? <laughs> and that led us into
1: <laughs> nineteen ninety uh, the Bronx Warriors and Escape wow. from the Bronx and a bunch of others we already knew. So
2: yeah. Well that's the cool stuff. stuff. That's a whole subgenre that is really great that I that I I, I can't wait to tackle at some point. And that's, you know, Mad Max comes out and is a, you know, Road Warrior comes out and it's a big hit. Um, you know, Alien comes out and it's a big hit. Um, Star Wars comes out and it's a big hit. You know, uh, Escape from New York comes out. Everyone looks at this, especially if they're Italian, but everyone looks at this and they're just like, I want mine. So I'm going to make my battle truck. I'm going to make my Steel Dawn. I'm going to make my, you know, you know Bronx Warriors. You know, Bronx Warriors, which is a hybrid of at least in the title, of of the Warriors, you know, mm-hmm. in Escape from New York. Um, but um, you know, and and, and Dime a dozen for all the uh, you know, Galaxy of Terror, everything, contamination, everything, you know, that's a, a a alien ripoff. That was probably the best and easiest to go to for quite some time. They're just like, listen, we we don't need a big budget for this. We just need a decent monster suit and you know, a contained space in space and we're good to go. And we could sell really good art, you know, art. And, you know, half the battle is just the artwork that we all responded to, you know, at the video store or just in the newspaper, you know, if it made it into the theaters, you know, for a grindhouse double feature. But you're just like, ooh, that looks good. I see like sex, violence, nudity and gore. And it's in space. I'm there, you know, or, you (laughs) know, horror. Or it's underwater.
0: Or it's underwater. Right. <laughs> exactly.
2: There's more than just the abyss people. So, yeah, exactly. With having sci-fi be, you know,
3: the main focus, obviously, of In Search of Tomorrow. I mean, is there a sci-fi movie that you feel had the most dramatic impact on the industry during the 80s?
2: Um, I do believe that there were several. Um you know i think the the obvious answer and it has to be said is is the star wars impact um you know star wars and then empire showed that you can continue on go in different directions and people really will do it that that changed seismically just the approach of of uh the decade in terms of the imagination the special effects you know the visual effects and what you could do with uh, a good imagination. That's what got us "Battle beyond the stars. You know, that's what's got, um, you know, a variety of films, you know, The Last Starfighter, you know, those films, everyone said, I want my Star Wars. So let's, how can we do it on like one-tenth the budget or at least seemingly, you know, uh, and do something there, you know, but then you have a movie like Blade Runner, you know, uh, just from, 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 you know, Ridley Scott, With the one-two punch of you know alien in 1979 and blade runner in 82 everyone wanted a a glossy shine of the near future that you could have you know a replicant type (laughs) creature uh or person and and the interaction of of humans and ai and and what that meant um i I mean i'm very hard it's very hard for me to pick one I, i can go to aliens too You know, where you have the ultimate hybrid of, you know, action, sci-fi, horror and just e-ticket ride uh, where everyone said, I want something like that. You know, there would be no predator without aliens. And so a lot of these films influenced other films, even if they were really big budget films. Every every studio, you know, uh, a group of executives sits around this table in a dark room in the back of the studio you know, with their lattes, <laughs> and they say, "All right, we have a couple slots to fill, the, you know, in the coming year. What is acing at the box office? We need one of those. What scripts do we have? You know, what scripts can we make? How can we get this done and get it out next summer?" So, uh, so many of these films that that did really well at the box office, uh, conceptually or just uh, uh, from from tapping into the zeitgeist, that's what people were paying attention to in the '80s in terms of. Cashing in themselves. Is there a
3: sci-fi '80s film that you would say is incredibly underrated, or un- as, as the kids say, slept
2: on these days? Slept on. <laughs> slept on. <laughs> uh, I, I I really do love Outland, um, um, but I would say 2010. I'm gonna I'm gonna go uh, a double double decker. Peter Hyams sandwich here. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> you know, Peter Hyams, I think is, is, is as a director is underrated. Capricorn one is amazing. Outland is amazing. 2010 is amazing. Even time cop. If you could pull off the feet of making the most <laughs> commercial, engaging Jean-Claude Van Damme movie with Mia Sara. That's a time traveling adventure where Van Damme is still doing his Van Damme splits. You're good. You, you you know, you've got some, you've got some Moxie as a director. Um, but I'm going to zero in on uh, uh, 2010. I'm going to zero in on 2010 because 2010 is uh, had the uphill battle of being dismissed before it even came out, as no one can make it a sequel if it's not Stanley Kubrick, Kubrick uh, to uh, you know to 2001, which is one of the greatest sci-fi movies ever made. Uh, Peter Hyams is is a very smart guy, very engaging guy, very humble and self-effacing. And he was just like, I know I want to tackle this because I have the permission structure to do it, you know, from Kubrick and from Arthur C. Clarke, But I don't want this to be anything like, you know, stylistically like 2001. So he manages to make it look exactly like 2001 and a hybrid maybe of Alien um, and makes an incredibly engaging film. That's just a, a white knuckle ride. And uh you know throwing a little cold war elements as well excuse me as well um so i don't know if you guys have seen 2010 but uh it's it's so it's so well done and it, it holds up so intensely and it's mm-hmm. great because it's all about um once again it's a combination of, of reflection of our own times which some of the great sci-fi films really are about uh, sometimes it's in your face. Sometimes it's not so in your face. But, you know, that's dealing with Cold War and the pettiness of of nations not getting along. And you need uh, extraterrestrial intelligence to slap us on the wrist and just say, stop, pay attention. There's more than just you little ants on this planet. Get along and take care. And by the way, stay away from Jupiter's moon. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's our territory.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, currently, right now, you, what's you, I, 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 want, I want your input, guys. Oh what yeah, are are some of the pivotal films of the '80s in terms of really, really uh, reflecting the decade in terms of sci-fi? I,
3: I think something that at the time was not, you know, really, I think accepted, but almost gave it, it, it allowed the opportunity for it to be appreciated later on. But Blade Runner. is is one of my hands down favorites (laughs) because i i do love the idea that there is the possibility where you know again people think that like the future is going to be shiny and chrome and everything's going to be clean and perfect and it's like no it's dirty and (laughs) like people are still poor and people are still dying and there's still going to be you know a classist system and i i think it's great i love the idea of you know, again, how influential something like Blade Runner was, where it continued on to allow movies, even by more established stories like Isaac Asimov's iRobot, and then you go on even further than that to have uh, Antonio Banderas and um, Automata, and you have a lot of just stories where you have, I, I, I just loved the idea of robotic life, and conceptualization of like is it real is it alive like can mm-hmm. we treat it like a person i mean star trek has so many episodes especially just where data is questioned of like is he a man he's like i don't know is he a man because i can walk up right behind him and click falls over and turn him off like you can't mm-hmm. do that and it's just it's it's a fun idea i i thought it was a
2: beautifully shot movie and Talking, talking to, about data, I now have. I, I need to interrupt yeah. you. I, know, oh, no. I don't Do want you. to go to a whole Star Trek Next Generation rabbit hole, but <laughs> <laughs> one of my whole. We're ready for it. <laughs> I, I, I you may be better than I can tell me the name of the episode. But there's an episode where uh, there's a whole uh, uh, trial uh, that data is 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 there to determine whether or not he is alive and, and determine yeah. determine if he's a sentient being or just a machine that you turn yeah. on and off and does he have rights and that's to right. me, it was incredibly so and that goes into the definitions of you know what how does that apply right. you know um we touch on that in, in search of tomorrow a little bit with uh short circuit you know and the uh anthropomorphification of 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 objects And and how important is it at the end of the day if it's just a thing made of metal or is it alive? You know, Um, and 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 that's something that we all will need to come into terms with at a certain point in the future. Um, You know, Skip, you know, I feel like I'm changing channels now, but like going to like Spike Jones and her with Joaquin Phoenix. Mm -hmm. um, That to me is one of my favorite movies of the last uh, uh, decade or so, because I Bought into that 100% that I would, you know, I'm married, I'm happily married and have a kid. I would love to have someone in my ear all day on telling me how they love me and how they're so one, I'm so wonderful. <laughs> and, you know, and if they didn't exist, I wouldn't care, <laughs> you know. Um, and, and that is something that I think comes down to human needs in real life and, and how that is reflected with the technology that we're using, whether it's for good or for bad. It's always going to be that question. And so, you know, that's what's great about sci-fi of any decade. Uh, uh, And a lot of these ideas were either uh, originated or they uh, really did a a first great deep dive or they continued the conversation of some of these great, 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 great ideas, you know, about ourselves in the guise of futuristic uh, entertainment.
0: So back on the data thing real quick. My only only nitpick with that episode, which is an excellent episode about whether like data is, uh, you know, basically has rights because he's, is he Mm -hmm. man or machine? My, my only problem is a few episodes before that they had already decided that sentient sand had rights and they weren't going to like geo farm it or something. Mm
1: -hmm. There was
0: a whole episode where like they, somebody tracks in a grain of sand after like looking, to, they were going to like uh, geoterraform a whole planet. Uh, and then the sand starts attacking the ship and they find out it's sentient and they figure out how to communicate with it. And the sand has rights. So that was my only thing was like Starfleet's already decided sand has rights. Well, I think data gets uh, rights.
2: The, the sand, that sand was a uh, organic. Yeah. Versus a, a human made machine where it's ones and zeros. So I'm I'm, I'm just going to nitpick. <laughs> I mean, and, awesome. and even to springboard off that, there's the
3: episode where Data makes his daughter. And it's the question of like, now is the machine who was made by man who made another machine, is that machine a person? Like, is it allowed- And that's also
2: the story of Blade Runner 2049. Yeah. And And that to me, now this is just me personally. Um, I really loved Blade Runner 2049 much more than I expected to um, and and i I don't disagree with anything in the film but my biggest hurdle for that film film was was coming to terms with how replicants could give birth create and give birth to replicants you know and that was a whole other element uh, like that was way above my pay grade that I had to expand my brain. <laughs> In terms of understanding how that could be uh, possible in a physical world, and and there are ways to explain it. Go ahead, Steve.
1: I'll say if I may, uh, nature finds a way. Uh, thank you, <laughs> Mister
3: Mister. I use the same cat in comic books where it was like, oh, Vision and Wanda, they're a couple, and they had a kid. How? What? And then you just uh, you just kind of cast it off to like magic
2: it's all magic well that's the thing you know <laughs> magic to a certain degree but there that was that was my biggest hurdle when i first i've seen it several times and i'm fine with it now but the first time i saw blade runner that was the one thing that helped me from enjoying it completely sure. because i could not wrap my brain around the the reality of that being able to happen uh because i did not i could not connect those dots logically at least they didn't take the time to explain it, and nor they should have. You just had to take it on faith. <laughs> but because they didn't, you know, I, need, I needed Mr. Mr. DNA Strand animated to explain to me how that was possible.
0: Needed Elizabeth Shue from The, the Saint uh, showing how to do cold fusion. the <laughs>
2: <Your> chalkboard
1: but... <laughs> to the next scene. <laughs> this is how you get cold fusion right here, you see.
0: <laughs> no, never Elizabeth Shoe will come back. What uh, you were asking about uh, movies that you feel like really, like, affected us during the 80s, one yeah. that I really don't, now that I think about it, I'm not 100% sure it's the 80s, I feel like it is, uh, but one that I feel like doesn't get enough coverage is They Live, John Carpenter's uh, They yeah, Live. Yeah, that's
2: 1988, mm-hmm. 87. There
0: we go. But yeah. yeah. And like, it's one of those where it's like, ooh, maybe it's 80, but maybe it's 91. No, but uh sure.
2: Ladies, No, it's, yeah, it's
0: 80s i'm I'm always shocked how many people haven't seen that and how many people completely forget it and just how it only become seems to become more relevant <laughs>
2: it's It's a wonderful you know when we talk about great sci fi is a reflection of our own selves and and great stories to help us connect with some of the bigger things they're the ones where you it's there but you don't see it and you have to look for it or you have to have a certain mindset. But there are ones like They Live or like, say, Alien Nation, where it doesn't take much. Uh, and that's fine. Some people like poo-poo that for it's hitting you over the head with the obvious. But I think those are great. And I think there's nothing wrong with hitting you, you over the head with the obvious. That's why um, I make a quick reference to the uh, – what is it? Let That Let Be Your Last Battlefield, the Star Trek episode where um, they're in the original series where you have the – there's the guys, Frank Gorshin's one mm-hmm. of them, one's half black and half white, yeah. literally up and down. And the other one is just the flip side and they hate each other because they're different. And you need something as ridiculous as that to show us all how ridiculous we can be or are in terms of, you know, how we treat others. And so right. I, I love sci fi that I think there are more people need to be clubbed over the head with the obvious more often than not
0: <laughs> <laughs> On that particular one i always like felt like it was almost a personal attack especially just the like where when uh oh my god uh nada the our main character like at the beginning is just like no if you work hard you're in america you can make it and it's like Mm. no you can't (laughs) by the end of the movie and like that was always the one like then why are they still telling me to work hard
2: (laughs) Which brings me to the escapism of sci-fi which is much more fun too because if life is a little miserable uh, and the reality is a little too much for you in any given day I also love being able to escape into a world where you don't have to think about your own problems and that's why I love this decade so much as well because I really escaped as a teen watching these films I wasn't very politically minded uh, uh, as either but we all have our day-to-day problems You know, and so it's one of those things where I just wanted to get away in a darkened theater with my popcorn and travel somewhere else for a certain amount of time. And part of the nostalgia, if you lived in that decade or part of the the concept of looking back at these is that. It didn't matter when you saw these, whether you saw it in the 80s, whether you saw it in the theater, whether you rented it on video, or whether you 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 swiped by on Netflix and saw it. A lot of these movies, if they really meant something to you, it, it's more about the movie, but it's also about the time. It's who you were with. It's what you were going through. It's how it, it affected you positively, uh, or uh, you know, just changed your trajectory of thinking. Um, these movies are more than just movies, and that's really what I'm going after in this film.
3: Absolutely. Steep, your
1: oh my big uh, actually the the, <laughs> the the first one that popped in my head just because yeah obviously Blade Runner was kind of like the go to one where it's like influential but kind of slept on, but it's like a culmination of that and they live and everything. I think also came out like '87, Robocop, where it was mm-hmm. just all of it all together at once, <laughs> plus the, you know, the super over the top violence and, uh, you know, the, the commercial, uh, I forget, I forget as we Dutch, yeah. like, like a <laughs> European director coming in and basically saying, no, this is the ultimate American movie with all the cynicism I can put in there. <laughs> and it, it just resonated so well.
2: <laughs> and, and it's a, it's a formula that he, you know, Ed Naha, the writer and uh, they they put together and put on film that so many people said, I want to do that too, and fell, have fallen on their face. Um, yeah. So there's a real kind of alchemy uh, with Paul Verhoeven's work that those people just can't replicate, and it makes it that much more special. Yeah.
3: So, I mean, speaking of the idea of like replicating films, like, do you feel that there was possibly an issue of things getting so tired and worn out in repeating either a plot or just trope after trope within the sci-fi or just like mean, I mean like eighties movies in general because I mean if you had alien and that influenced so many things for the eighties sci-fi when you had movies like like creature. Mm-hmm. Like creature was something that was I mean you watch it and you're all like that's that's alien.
2: <laughs> well the real alien there is Klaus Kinski, but you know well that's a different story, right? <laughs>
3: Isn't 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 creature, right? I just, so, that sounds right. That that I you know, I just recently watched it.
2: I mean I yeah. Now I got to double check my pop culture reference joke. But yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that sounds that sounds on point. Anyway, please continue. Oh no, I mean that was it. I, I mean like you, us with a joke. Go ahead.
0: Yeah. Is there anything that's just worn out that overplayed? We just need yeah, to stop Klaus doing it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's Klaus Kinski. I did double check that one. <laughs> say say again please sorry
3: oh it was just it was just like uh kind of repeating the question of like i mean if it's if it's something that is so impactful for the industry and the genre of itself within the 80s like did do you think that there was an issue of redundancy with kind of having repeated film or repeating plots and themes.
2: Absolutely. There's plenty of redundancy in Hollywood and in storytelling and the argument there that there's only a handful of stories to be told. They just have to be told a different way. Uh, that's why any that you find someone who tells uh, a a well-worn tale in a unique and new way with a new fresh coat of paint and it feels it, it revitalizes the genre, then uh, that's wonderful. But yeah. Um, Sometimes you know the eighties the eighties really <clears throat> if there's one if there's one sort of uh way to identify that decade that's when when sequels really took off the sequel was not mm-hmm. a new idea, but that's when people really started thinking franchise you know I mean it happened before you had Planet of the Apes franchise I mean there's just a bunch of hercules movies um it's not like it started in the eighties, but that's when I think everyone saw you can if if you if your film does well it doesn't end there you can continue those characters you can continue that saga uh and you can continue mining it and milking it for all it's worth and sometimes you get good installments and sometimes you don't um is it a retread yes but is it like do we all like our toasted cheese sandwich on sunday afternoons yes that's what we want you know it's comfort food so uh is it a bad thing you know creatively sometimes yes sometimes no um And there were plenty of unique individual stories, whether they were blockbuster sized or indie sized, but usually more than often than not, you need an indie film like, um, you know, The Road Warrior to change things quite a bit. But how different is The Road Warrior really? you know, from films and car chase films before, or, you know, post-apocalypse scenarios before. It was just done right. The recipe was just right. The energy was just right. The time was just right. You know, the thought process of of the bigger picture was just right at the time. And so it's a bit, there's a bit of serendipity and, and kismet involved with some of these things that why they strike and land in the zeitgeist, and last to to this day that we're still talking about it, and usually spawn sequels and remakes and reboots as well. You know, James Bond and so on and so forth. We want these and we need these, but you need one to spark the whole fire.
0: That is always like a fascinating thing to me. Like, why does Road Warrior become like a timeless classic launch? Uh, mel Gibson, all of that, and then like turkey shoot just flops
2: <laughs> right <laughs> well turkey shoot is 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 the most dangerous game you know yeah. um, exactly. and 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 that's a story that's been told, and someone said that's a great story let's set it in a you know in the Australian out- outback and we'll say it's the future you know um <laughs> and it's fun and it's great and it's compelling and it's down and dirty and it's gritty but is it an original story no but more people know need to know about turkey shoot right
1: <laughs> yeah, well it comes up again 10 years later with hard target basically the same story mm-hmm. just set in new right. orleans jean-claude yeah. van damme
2: yeah <laughs> <laughs> but points to you Izzy, for bringing up turkey shoot
0: <laughs> we're big uh, brian trenchard smith fans over here <laughs>
2: You know, and you got Steve's rails back who, you know, is in Life Force, which is one of my favorite films. Oh, thank you for mentioning Life Force. Is that sci-fi?
0: Is that horror? Is that just a genre bender?
2: Exactly. (laughs) It's almost like a hammer horror film in in space, too. It's like, um, Mm -hmm. and it's Patrick Stewart's first on-screen kiss. (laughs) Yes, it is. (laughs) But yeah, that's a film that's a total (laughs) hybrid And that's why I love it so much, because you're like, oh, it's a space shuttle film. Oh, they're going to discover some aliens. Wait, they're vampires, and that's – they're the origin (laughs) of the vampire legend. You know, it's great stuff. And and at the end, they all kind of turn to zombies. Yeah. (laughs) And then two words, Matilda May. If you know what I'm saying, you know what I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. And if you look really closely to Matilda May's eyes whenever she's looking, right before she sucks the life out of somebody – Take a close look at her eyes, they're, they're spirals to hypnotize you. It's literally a contact lens, that's a spiral. So her eye, if you look at the uh, iris of the of the of the eye, it's a spiral. And it's really once you see it, you can't unsee it. You have to pull that blu-ray back out. Yeah. Got, we yeah. we
0: literally quote that movie in this house every day in some <laughs> way. Should No
3: way. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that, that was one that I I recently Please watched for the first continue. time.
2: <laughs> and you remember it,
3: right? Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. I mean, I had posted, I was all like, hey, first time watch for me. I don't know where and how this like escaped me. And Steven's message she saw like, how is this your first time? <laughs> what, how have you gone this long? And I'm like,
2: I don't know. I don't well, you know. And- well, I think this is one of those films that's slept on. And I think it's if you know, you know, and if you don't, you don't. And you need someone to say it's great, it's not perfect, but it's great. And it's Toby Hooper, great soundtrack, you know, uh, uh, a a very substantial uh, budget going towards effects and so on. John Dykstra did the effects on that. Um, and uh, John Dykstra is in, in, in Search of Tomorrow and he talks a little bit about Life Force and didn't make the cut. So hopefully next time.
0: Hmm. Please tell me. Hopefully, in a sequel, there's plans to get Steve Rails back.
2: Absolutely, so. that's yeah, the that's, <laughs> yeah. effort. Well, that's one of the reasons why I didn't put Life Force in this film, because I love Life Force. But sometimes, you know, when you're when you're assembling a cast of of 70 plus people, okay. um, you can't. The stars doesn't do don't always align, literally and figuratively, for every single film. And sometimes, you know, you can go and talk about a film without any of the stars and it works and it's fine. But there are others where you're like, if I just wait a little more, I could do this a little more justice and life force. Trust me, I've been trying to get life. I'm the guy who decides this stuff. I could do it if I wanted to. I'm the guy who wants Life Force in my movies, but I won't let me. So, you know. I just want it done right. That's (laughs) all I
0: need. See, I appreciate that. There's restraint so that you can do it justice. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, is there, um, well, I guess besides Life Force, is there anybody else that you're kind of holding out hope for that they'll join the, if there's a, I, I don't want to spoil it. If there is Down the Road, In Search of Tomorrow 2, Electric Boogaloo, is there somebody <laughs> that you would like to have be a part of that that you haven't interviewed yet?
2: Absolutely. Um. I mean, I these are the films that I, I want everybody. I really do. But it's just physically not possible. And and sometimes people say yes, and then their, their schedule gets crazy, and then they can't make it. I mean, that happened with a couple people that – we, we had going for this, but then, you know, this is a film that was made during COVID and we had it, <clears throat> we had it set up and then we all went into lockdown and that just derailed the, the trajectory of this film. I like to use the word trajectory a lot. Uh, it, 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 it really just sort of derailed us to a certain degree, but like everybody, you know, and we were so fortunate that we were able to get everybody who did eventually show up to be in this film. But there are several names that I, I, I wanted that I didn't get. Uh, and, you know, I, I really shoot for the biggest A-listers possible, too. So I'll just keep it broad without actually literally answering your question. Right? <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, there are always plenty of people. I, you know, I already I already identified Steve Rausback, back, so I'd love to have him show up, uh, you know.
0: Well, we know he listens to real feels, so. I'm just kidding. I have no idea if he does. Oh. If he does. So, Mr. don't can give he, me don't that he hope. He is he Please, Allison, <laughs> can you hear us? Please reach out. The old way on your telephone. Old...
2: <laughs> yeah, this film though, it, uh, when when people were sort of poking their heads out uh, after uh, lockdown. A lot of people didn't want to get in the same space physically, but they were like, well, I'll do it on Zoom. But we do it all, we shoot it all in 4K, we shoot it all in person, uh, even though we're doing everything where it's very safe. We're socially distanced, we're masked up. Uh, I shot a a majority of these interviews uh, outside, so there's plenty of airflow. Uh, I wanted to be safe, I wanted our talent to be safe, I wanted our, our crew to be safe. And so there's something to be said where if we didn't get everyone we wanted this time around, you know, that's, that's part of the, part of the equation ultimately.
0: Excellent. Uh, And then just real quick, since we were on that, like, are there people you didn't get? If, are are there anybody who has left our mortal realm you wish you could have reached out to?
2: Well, absolutely. Uh, You know, (laughs) um, um, Yeah, I haven't, I don't, well, listen, I I can, I have to think about it because, you know, I have to look back now at at who, what films I covered and who's no longer there. You know, like Bill Paxton, for example, would have been so great to sit with him and talk aliens, you know. Um, And uh, Ivan Reitman is in our film and he passed, uh, of course, recently and it was very unexpected. Uh, So it was a real time capsule treasure To have him say, yes, I'll be in your film and talk about things that were more than just Ghostbusters. But also, like you said, Space Hunter, you finally saw for the first time and, uh, you know, Heavy Metal. He produced those films and uh, you don't really hear him talking about that stuff that much. So that to me was incredibly special and he was very gracious to be part of this project. And, you know, he's immortalized uh, a little bit differently now for us because of that. Um, but, uh, I think it adds a layer of, of, just, uh, the mortality of everybody and, and none of these folks, including ourselves are getting any younger. And so if they take the time to talk with us, uh, and share really happy memories, you know, of, of their, not only the, the projects that they worked on, but of the films that impacted them and made them smile. Um, that, that's really what makes this a special project in my opinion.
1: Uh,
3: how exactly can people, you know, get on board with helping to support uh, In Search of Tomorrow before it's too late?
2: Before it's too late? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. um, yeah, between now and March 27th. So the, the clock is ticking. Uh, go to 80s sci-fi doc dot com. Uh, and you go there, and uh, that's the only way to get it. It's not streaming. It's not going to be in stores. We're a small independent company. As we said earlier, you know, it's crowdfunded. And so it, it's, uh, it's a pretty penny to manufacture large amounts and just have it sit in a storage, you know, container next to the Ark of the Covenant and then, you know, send <laughs> and then send it out whenever someone wants it. So we make it in batches, and that's why it's a limited-time offer. And so, you know, be, you get all this other cool stuff. You get exclusive, you know, posters. You can get the DVD or the Blu-ray and a slip cover, and you can get, you know, digital download. All the stuff that you want, uh, it's there. If you go to dot com. you can find out all about it. And I think one of the coolest things is that uh, you get to have your name in the credits. And yep. uh I, I mean,
3: that, that's the biggest thing for me. I was like, I saw it last night and I was like, oh, there
2: it is. Yeah, there well, is. You, it's, it's, <laughs> you, get to, you get to immortalize yourself and be proud, a proud part of a project getting it over the finish line. I mean, the movie's done. You guys have seen it. And I'd like to hear a little bit about what you thought about it just personally and how it meant, what it meant to you. But the, the this film is is a labor of love and it's a community experience and uh by being able to help ultimately get it literally manufactured and distributed and by being part of that by being in the credits and just knowing that you're part of it in some way shape or form i think is a pretty cool and different uh experience than a lot of people get with most other projects
3: i i think watching this much like watching in search of the darkness it's just it's so comforting and feel good. It has such nostalgia for it. And I love the fact that I can watch something and not only thoroughly enjoy it but still learn. I mean, there were just little factoids left and right that like I had to like pause and then like message someone and go like, did you know this? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just now learning this. And I mean just stuff like that. It just it still makes it exciting. And I mean, even for such a mountain of a project to, you know, have people, because I had I had me- I had like messaged my co-host and going like, all right guys, here's here's the screener. And they're like, oh okay cool yeah, I'll give it a watch. How long is it? And I'm like, well it's five hours. And they're like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> like that's no dude, that's nothing, that's nothing. Don't worry about it. Because, like, I are mean- you
2: sitting down? You're gonna have to continue sitting down. <laughs> you have to continue to sitting down <laughs> for it.
3: But I mean, with with things like In Search of Darkness and even In Search of Tomorrow, it it went by like that. And I yeah. still wanted more, and I still had a hell of a time watching it and it was just it was a lot of fun it made me smile it made me it made me laugh it it made me definitely appreciate the fact that it's not just all of the star you know actors who are giving their input. I love the fact that you get you know composers and special effects artists and directors, and I think that is definitely. A truer sense of getting a real story and background for it. Mm -hmm. And I I think that is where I think things can be underappreciated. And this is definitely a a great outlet for that. And I, for one, whatever you continue to do,
2: (laughs) we'll we'll be there. We'll be there. I'm going into real estate, so I really could use your your help. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I really appreciate that. That's really thoughtful, and I'm, I'm glad it 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 you recognize that this is a a a story told with more than just the obvious faces. And thank you. Yeah,
0: Drew really summed it up I think really excellently it was uh, I also was a monster kid but I was born a little bit later so I didn't have access to as much of like the magazines and all of that like I'd always I heard about them I was in that like magazines are dead but the internet hasn't been invented yet section so whatever you can find in somebody's attic have at it Um, like just so many of these movies it was like oh my god I remember that movie and like oh I've always wanted to know like was it an accident was it on purpose like Like, yeah, it was just so many like fun facts. And then, yeah, we had like a list of movies, like writing them down. Like, oh, my God, how have I not heard of that? How did that get off my radar? Uh, My apologies, our old senile cat. He's 21.
2: Oh, that's okay. He just wants to be part of the podcast. It's
0: cool. <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I think time. he went upstairs and got lost and came back down for comfort. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, back to the pod. Um, yeah, it was like it was just absolutely phenomenal. Like it was, Thank you. It, it like five hours sounds like wow. That's gonna be a lot for us. Like we just we made a date night. We made it, made some dinner, got a couple of good beers, put the show on, and yeah, it just like flew by and. At the end of it, I was like, I, I like I want more. If there's another one, I would stay up way too late and watch it right now.
2: Thank you. Well, uh kud, you know, kudos need to go to Samuel Way, my editor, uh, Paul Conshake, who does the motion graphics, you know, Weary Pines, who does the score. Uh that mixture, uh, when putting this together really helps this fly. And I think the structure really is what makes the difference in terms of wanting to stay riveted to your seat. Because even me, who makes this movie and makes these choices as to when to get out of a movie and go on to the next one, I watch this movie and I'm like, no, stay a little longer, please. Don't don't leave yet. (laughs) But even if you do want to stay longer with a particular film uh, or an idea, um, there's so much ground to cover. And so the idea is this gives you just enough to understand what it's about, what the themes were, some of its visions of of future and technology, some behind-the-scenes moments or trivia or or insight, and then on to the next. And if you are interested in doing the deep dive about it, then it's on you. If you want to watch the film and read or watch more about it, you can. You know, Uh, But this is to just sort of let you know how – what that film was about, why it was important, how it fits in this big jigsaw puzzle, and, uh, you know, this, the, the evolution of film over the course of 10 years and, and where it fits and, and why we're still talking about it or should be talking about it to this day.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I agree. Um, I'm not a horror kid like Drew and Izzy were, <laughs> but 80 sci-fi, that was my jam. Um, and, uh, I mean, the In Search of Darkness, I've seen both of them. And they're fantastic, too. They flew right by and was like, oh, well, I, well I, you know, I'm taking notes of, like ones I have to see. But this one especially, it was like every single movie is like, oh, that's one of my faves. Oh, I haven't seen that in forever. And I haven't even heard of this one. So, yeah, it's it's absolutely my jam.
2: And uh, yeah, I'm. I'm I can't wait for more. <laughs> me too. Me too. I, I, have, I have to get a good night's sleep, but then on to the next. Right. <laughs> exactly. Thank I you just so much. Done, right? I guys really you know dug this. Um, you know, tell tell your friends, spread the word. That, that's mm-hmm. that's the thing is you know we we had a really successful crowdfunding uh, you know on Kickstarter and Indiegogo for this, and uh, now the trick is to you know get the word out to people who uh i'm finding are more like well i love the 80s movies through and through but i'm not that into sci-fi but then you say oh well wait a minute you love ghostbusters you love back to the future you love short circuit you know you love et maybe you love this a little more than you think you do you know um and it it, it, it's the folks who are like yeah star trek i'm not really into it star wars i'm not really into it you know but then you're like wait a minute there's really a lot more in terms of this discussion that i think you might find engaging and really connect with. And, you know, there's plenty of John Hughes in here as well. (laughs) (laughs) Weird Science and Getty Watanabe and, you know, uh, Molly Ringwald, it all kind of comes together pretty well.
3: Well, I want to very much and emphatically thank you Like for coming on and talking with us, it has been, as I uh, say to Steve and Izzy constantly, it was it was a hoot and a half. Um, (laughs) Thoroughly enjoyed myself. Uh,
2: So I mean, I'll definitely take that extra half hoot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
3: Where can they find you, like on the interwebs?
2: On the interwebs, uh, you know. You can find me. I, I'm usually the most responsive uh, or active when I do uh, pay attention to it uh is on Twitter. Uh my handle at Twitter is at Tiki Ambassador. And I also have a, a a site which is just pop culture retro fun. It's called it came from dot com. And so you can find that on all the different socials. You can find that on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. And uh, that's how I love to interact with everybody and just share my it's, – it's like my pop culture brain dump. I think of it, I put it on there, you know, whether it's a collectible Perfect. or a movie poster or just a, you know, goofy commercial from an after-school special or something like that. Um, that's the stuff that really drives me, and I, I love social media for that. I, I keep it – I keep it apolitical and I keep it fun um, and I'd like to – it's incredibly rewarding to me if I just think of something and put it on there and someone just says, I have not thought of that since I was a kid. That to me is just worth the price of nothing that we pay to do this stuff, you know? Um, But uh, yeah. That's treasure trove. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, that's the way to do it. You know, that's the way to find me, and 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 I'm happy to interact with everybody on on those platforms. And uh, you know, everyone, please just go to 80sSciFiDoc.com between now and uh, March 27th. And um, you know, if you're interested in the horror stuff and in, in Search of Darkness Part Three, go to 80sHorrorDoc.com, or the socials are 80sHorrorDoc, and uh, that'll give you a a sense of what's happening and. Uh, we're aiming to have it out around Halloween, and so stay tuned to that for In Search of Darkness 3. Mm. But oh, it's a real pleasure to be with you guys, right. and uh, I enjoyed so our, so our chat that yeah, uh, yeah. went into different directions. And, you know, I hope Brent Spiner is listening because he's, he's, he's revered here on this particular <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Hey, my one Brent Spiner thing... I helped him find shoes at a San Francisco Macy's once when I was working there. Excellent. See, <laughs> he didn't you're... end up buying anything, but I showed him where the comfort shoes were. <laughs>
2: there you go. There you go. Listen, you added some comfort to his life, you know, <laughs> right. That's important. You've, done, you've you've, you've succeeded. You've succeeded.
3: Uh, I don't have anything as fancy as that. I did meet John Delancey uh, in college when I went to a theater competition He was giving kind of like a a lecture. And so I got to walk up and like shake his hand. He's like, how are you? And I'm like,
2: huh? (laughs) (laughs) These guys are all great. You know, Uh, uh, all these people are real human. They're human. And um, my favorite thing, at least where Next Generation is concerned, is I love how they still all get together together you know yeah. uh and and they'll take a selfie where they're all smiling around a dinner table or something like that and and it was cool to have Will Wheaton in In Search of Tomorrow as well to, yeah. to add some context to everything and he's the ultimate pop culture geek and that was a real mm. uh, treat
3: I I I follow Robert Picardo uh quite frequently on Twitter and he's always hanging out with Ethan Phillips and that mm-hmm. just that warms my heart <laughs> to like no end because then I text my co-host and I'm all like, watch this, watch this video of, of Robert and Ethan at like Disneyland. And he's like, <laughs> God damn, Phil, or like Neelix. <laughs> <Like>, I-
2: <laughs> well, these these projects for these, you know, these actors uh, working on these projects, Star Trek is a whole family. And uh, it's it's a whole world just beyond conventions and syndication and, you know, movies or TV, whatever have you. That comes hand in hand with that these guys spent so much time together just getting to know each other and they like each other and it shows because they really want to continue being part of each other's family and and looking out after each other and just reconnecting and um that that means a lot to me i'll 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 end on this for one of the first movies uh, the first movie i ever worked on uh i started as a a intern and then a pa and next thing i knew i was the second second assistant director i don't know if you even knew that existed there's the first pp second ad and then there's second second ad and next thing i know i'm second second ad on this indie project that no one has ever heard of and i'd be impressed if you could find it although it's probably just entirely on youtube but it's a movie called round numbers and kate mulgrew was the star And Kate Mulgrew, you know Captain Janeway. Yeah, this is this is pre Voyager. This is when she was like Kate Colombo, you know, or she had been like (laughs) Throw Mama from the train, you know. But it's like um, she was so wonderful to be with, and she she knew it was my first movie. She like treated me like the teacher's pet because the producer was a bit of a uh, you know not great. He liked to yell a lot, let's just keep it that <laughs> disparage anybody, but I remember she would just look at him and it was not her first barbecue, and she'd just you know say, "David, if you ever want to just go to my trailer and eat the french fries that I have sitting in there, you know, please do you know uh, she was she was just so wonderful, and uh, i was it, it pleased me when she landed in Voyager because i could I was rooting for her because she was just a good human being. You know, and so I'm so happy that she found, you know, fame, fortune and happiness with the Star Trek franchise.
3: A a friend of mine, whenever we watch movies together, we started it as like a joke, but then it now becomes a game where we have to see if the movie has a second second assistant director. So (laughs) it's it's literally a thing I do in every single film. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, sometimes
2: in in the UK, they call him third assistant director. There's no such thing as a second second, which always confused me. I'm just like, you, 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 well, it's like, you know, if you're going to call something a gaffer. No one knows what that is either. So might, <laughs> might as well call someone a, a, you know, a second second assistant director. But yeah, good times. Good times and good people.
0: Excellent.
3: Uh, well, uh, Steve, I understand that you have a podcast. Where can they find yours?
1: What? Oh,
3: a podcast.
1: We do. We do. <laughs> what? The Royal. We. No. Um, yeah. We're uh, everything I learned from movies on all the major podcatchers. We listen, uh, we talk about questionable movies and basically our love for them and why they're mm-hmm. amazing and teach us incredible lessons. Uh, you may see a, a lot of episodes we've done on movies from in search of tomorrow, but yeah, definitely check out that documentary guys.
0: <laughs> we take a uh, movies that other people consider bad and we justify why they're actually amazing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, like one of my favorite movies 1995's Congo
0: yes
2: <laughs> Ernie Hudson again absolutely yeah. <laughs> Hudson was, <laughs> he was that film he's one of the best things in that movie oh, he, right? he's, yes. he's like uh, he's, he's so he's so charming in that film it's great so
0: charismatic he's the great white hunter but he happens to be black. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But yeah, you can mess up uh, all major podcasters or on Twitter, Facebook, or Patreon at E I L F Movies. That's Everything I Learned from Movies. Uh, Babe, are you on social media at all?
0: I am. You can find me and my art uh, everywhere at Untidy Venus. That's a goddess who's bad at housekeeping. I'm on all the social medias. I have an Etsy shop where I sell my prints of movie monsters who love kittens. I've got stickers, all kinds of fun stuff at untidyvenus.etsy.com. Uh, and now I've got a Patreon at Untidy Venus over on Patreon where uh, I have a sticker of the month club for four bucks a month. I'll mail you a sticker. All my own uh, original art. Get them made from from uh, small businesses. Drew, where can we find you?
3: <gasps> Me? All right. Guys, if you want to get in contact with the Real Feels Podcast, you can hit us up on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for the Real Feels Podcast. We are up on Twitter at Real fills Pod. You can send us an email at RealFillspodcast at gmail.com. Or, guys, if you want to call the Tooch line, 661-376-0030. Come on, reach out and Tooch base. And, uh, you know, just leave a message. We'd love for it to hear from you. And uh, hey, as always guys, and more importantly, David, you're the realist. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for joining us, guys. We'll see you in a two weeks time. Make sure to check out our Last Action Hero episode and coming up after that, it is gonna be Jack's choice for underrated movies. So look and see what he's coming up for that film. And we will catch you next time.
2: Hey everybody. Hey, what's up everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story
3: All you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the Department of Meta Human Affairs or DMA and check it out right
2: now.